Yellich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich, he has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! Get out of here and go! Ryan Braun, he just hit a walk-off fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. I am your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. I am a host for reviewing The Brew. And as always, I am joined with my good buddy, Trevor, who is over there with the fancy background. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And joining me for a special appearance here is Matt Carroll. You can find him on Twitter at MKE Matt, I believe. I got that right. He, since the last time he joined this podcast, is now a editor for Reviewing the Brew and is a co-host of the Cold Brew podcast. So before we get into today's topic, uh, Matt, how are you doing over there? We'll start with you today. I am doing fantastic. Um, Today, as we've all seen, we got some good news about Devin Williams, NL Rookie of the Year, so... Brewers fans riding a little high today. Yeah, I mean, definitely can't, definitely cannot complain about the offseason uh, since it started for the Brewers. We got the reliever of the year and the rookie of the year, and the future's bright in, in that bullpen, so long as we keep Josh Hader. <laughs> you had to say it. All right. <laughs> So that brings us to today's podcast topic. I wanted to kind of dive into a uniquer way to look at all the all the rumors and the scenarios of why you should trade Josh Hader or why you should not trade him. So with the three of us, we are going to set this up like a court case. So obviously a few disclaimers before we start this. A, as Matt said before we start recording, we're not lawyers. <laughs> we, we'll probably not get this perfectly. And two, Trevor and Matt have each been assigned to represent their case. They're going to do all they can in this podcast to defend what was given to them. They may speak some of their personal beliefs. They may go out of the way to not speak what they believe, but to defend their case. So keep that in mind as you are listening to this podcast. And just keep an open mind because this is meant to be a fun way to go about this. With that, I am assuming the role of your royal judge for today. So welcome the Court of Baseball Players Trading Association is now in session. I, Tyler Kurth, am your honorable judge presiding today's hearing. Members of the listening audience, your duty today is to determine whether the defendant shall be traded from the Milwaukee Brewers or not be traded. The prosecution must prove that Josh Hader shall indeed be traded 100% this offseason. However, if you are not satisfied with the claims to trade said player, then the defendant must be found to not be traded. Is everyone ready? Yes, Your Honor. I am ready for victory, Your Honor. All right. With that, let's get the opening statements started. Matt, would you like to go first? Yes. 
Your Honor, my name is Matt, and I will be representing the Milwaukee Brewers in this case. I intend to prove that my player, Josh Hader, shall 100% be traded this offseason. I intend to prove this with facts and logic, the only two things that matter. Your Honor, my name is Trevor. I will be representing Josh Hader in this case, and I intend to prove to you that Josh Hader shall not be traded this offseason. And how I'm going to do that, I'm just going to bring up the past. You know, do you want to be cheering from for the Brewers of yesteryear? For example, do you want to be cheering for the Brewers from 1983 to 2007, where there was not one single playoff team for 25 years, 75 wins on average, just just an interesting note in the NFC Central. Wow, NFC. I got football in the brain. NL Central in 2019. That was the Reds, who were fourth out of five in our divisions and 16 games back from the leaders. To me, that does not sound like fun. If that sounds like fun to you, then, well, you should go ahead and trade Josh Hader then. All right. All I took out of those opening statements is it's really cool to be called actually doing that. <laughs> With that, we are going to bring our first witness and evidences to the stand, however you want to go about including this. So prosecution, or Matt in this case, you may call to the stand your first witness or evidence. Thank you, Your Honor. I am going to call to the stand Milwaukee Brewers General Manager David Stearns. All right, let's let this person be sworn in. Do you swear that what you're about to talk about in regard to him is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. All right, you may begin. Folks, listen. When it comes to trading Josh Hader, the time is now. It absolutely makes sense. Just look at the previous track record of success. Trades for Christian Yelich, trades for Mike Moustakis in 2018. Heck, the trade for Josh Hader himself. Let's just go ahead and forget about Jonathan Scope, though. That that one that didn't happen. Um, the shelf life of a reliever is only so long. Josh Hader is an elite reliever now, but at what point will he begin to break down like so many relievers do? And with all of that, we are dealing from a position of strength, just like we did with David Phelps during the season in 2020. We have an amazing bullpen. Look at what happened to Devin Williams. He was the reliever of the year and the rookie of the year in 2020. Not to mention all the other weapons in that bullpen. From all of those points, it only makes sense. to. We don't want it to happen, but the time is now to move on from Josh Hader. Defense, you may now cross-examine the witness. So you mentioned you know, the depth of the bullpen and all that kind of stuff of why we need to keep Josh Hader. To me, that... Trade Josh Hader. Sorry, trade Josh Hader. Um, to me, that doesn't make a ton of sense because, you know, Devin Williams, absolutely fantastic this year, right? Just brilliant. You know, NL reliever of the year, NL rookie of the year, absolutely on fire. You, got, you know who else was on fire in 2018? Corbin Burns, you know who sucked in 2019? Corbin Burns. Like, you don't know, you know, progression isn't linear in baseball, especially for a pitcher. They don't just keep climbing and climbing. It could go roller coaster. You don't know what's going to happen next year with Devin Williams. And if Devin Williams takes a hit, you trade Josh Hader, then what strength is this? Are you going to trust Drew Rasmussen? Yeah, he could be great, but we don't really know. Corey Knable coming back, don't really know what's happening there. 
who else do you trust? Ray Black? Like, who else is going to be that guy coming out of the bullpen if you trade your best guy who has proven he is dominant? And then hopefully that can also help Devin Williams continue his trend, continue to be good when he has someone else there to kind of keep him on the way and, you know, dig him out of a hole if he gets in certain holes. I just think you don't get rid of a strength to potentially make it a weakness because you truly never know what's going to happen with these players. I know you're going to throw this back in my face saying, oh, we don't know what's going to happen with, with Josh Hader, but we've seen it for, what, three, four years, basically ever since he's been with the Brewers, that he's been very, very good. So to me, you keep Josh Hader, you pay him what you need to pay him, and you just go along your day and keep that bullpen a strength for your team rather than decimating it. Ah, you mentioned Corbin Burns. You mentioned what happened to him in 2019, but what happened to him in 2020? He was back, baby. The Brewers have been churning out successful pitchers lately like they're the elves at the North Pole churning out toys. (laughs) I mean, look at the names that came out of nowhere last year. Drew Rasmussen. I know you love Drew Rasmussen. Justin Topa, Eric Yardley, they got to be a two-point-something ERA pitcher even. I mean, I, I could go down the list. Corey Knable might have had a down year. That kind of goes to show the roller coaster, but he was looking good at the end. On top of just all the names that I threw out there, look at, I mean, we have guys in the minors that we can possibly bring up, just like Topa kind of came up out of nowhere. Um, maybe Perdomo's good next year. Maybe Zach Brown figured it out at the alternate site. Um, Luke Barker, Luke Barker, uh, love that guy. He could be a guy you see on the team next year. The fact of the matter is we have been developing pitching at an amazing rate over the last few years, homegrown guys. So if we can keep that as an area of depth, and I believe we can, it only makes sense to get something for Hater now. Just to me, the, the point of this is, you're trying to build a championship caliber team and why would you get rid of good players to do that? If you have good players coming up that can continue to contribute and, you know, get wins for your ball club, why not keep the guy that's going to get you the wins anyways? You know, David Stearns has been, you've been very good, sir, about bringing in, you know, you mentioned the trades earlier, um, getting some, some big guys, you know, you mentioned, Jonathan Lucroy's trade when we originally traded Lucroy and Jeremy Jeffress away. We got Lewis Brinson and Ryan Cornell, Cordell, and both of those are important players here. Um, Cordell actually got us Anthony Suarez, or however you say his name, Swarzak, sorry, um, back in, I believe that was 2017. Um, and then obviously Lewis Brinson is in that Yelich trade. You know, we get Jeremy Jeffress back for a guy that pitched 16 MLB innings and had an ERA of 14.33, so that's a little rough there for that guy. You know, the, tr- the trades have been good for the most part, but I firmly believe the trades have been much, much better when we're trading for players. Christian Yelich is a number one. You know, I don't give a shit what you've done for me outside of that Christian Yelich trade. You got one of the best players in the league, and now you just want to go out and trade one of the best players in the league? That makes absolutely no sense to me. You don't just trade guys like that, and and you want to go bargain hunting to save some money because the pandemic hurt you. Well, let's go bargain, bargain hunting, Mr. Stearns, right? You want to know how that's been for you? Justin Smoke. 
Do I need to say any more? Eric Sogard, Brock Holt, Jace Peterson, Josh Lindblom to a little bit lesser of an extent. But you just go on these bargain hunting things and, you know, one of them's got to hit, right? Well, not necessarily because this past offseason was terrible. And now you want to get rid of a good player to what? Do that again because you don't have any money? That it just doesn't make sense. And it just seems like we're going to go back into 2000 Milwaukee Brewers rather than 2018 or 2008, 2011, a team like that actually has some juice and you feel like you can actually get somewhere. We're talking about contracts, free agent contracts that we sign. With a trade, you can get something back that can be a contributor still. I mean, you deal from a position of strength and try and trade for a player that can contribute now and improve a weakness like first base, like third base, like possibly catcher, depending on, you know, how it works. It all depends on the trade partner. It all depends on the pieces going back and forth. Doesn't necessarily have to mean that prospects are coming back. But even if it was prospects coming back, you could spin those around to improve a weakness on the team. There's a lot of factors that can go into this trade. But the smart way to do it is to deal from, like I said, that position of strength. I kind of get what you're saying, but you just don't trade your best pitch. Well, okay. I'm not going to say he's our best pitcher. You're not going to trade our most consistent pitcher and the best pitcher of the last three years for of this team. It's just you have to, at some point, you have to keep your best players in order to get the best opportunity for you to win a championship. And Milwaukee needs a damn championship. You know, Green Bay, they're, they're good. They give us championships every now and then. Milwaukee, what has it been? Since 71, since... Big O and Kareem and that though that crew won us a championship in Milwaukee. We need a team that's going to be able to take us there. And Josh Hader on this team and actually having a legit strength in the pitching staff and not just hoping that young guys can continue to groom because that's no guarantee either. You know, you you go out and get a third baseman and let's say that third baseman sucks ass and now you depleted your bullpen and now you just suck ass. I, I just don't like that at all why you would trade Josh Hader, who is a bona fide star, a dominant pitcher in this league. It just makes no sense. All right. There has been the arguments from both sides there. Let's now call in the prosecution to have their second witness to the stand. All right. Um, Your Honor, I call to the stand Brewers owner Mark Adonazio. All right, let this witness be sworn in. Do you swear that what he's going to tell is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I sure hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. All right, thanks for having me here. Guys, I know you don't want to hear it, that no one wants to hear it, the fans don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, but payroll is going to be tight next year, guys. We operate right about 70 million for this year in a year where we didn't even have fans in the stands. We will be lucky as a small market team to even be able to spend that much next year. It could go down. I have made it a point in previous years to put every resource I have when possible into this team, but that just might not be possible this year. And if that's what it looks like this year, who's to say that everything's going to immediately recover financially for this team in just one year. We could be looking at potential 
uh, trouble down the line as well, or just a slow build back up to some of the previous payroll numbers we've had in previous seasons. Because of that, and Hayter's potential increasing value, and he is set to make potentially upwards of $7 million in arbitration this next season, that's just next season. If he has another good year, he's going to earn another raise. And then it just continues going down that path. So we just simply might not be able to afford him going forward. And again, that is the reason why it makes financial sense to sell now on Hater. Okay. I was hoping Mark Atanasio was going to come to the stand because I am ready for this one. All right. So you poor baby, you lost <laughs> money during the pandemic. Well, newsflash, Mark, we all lost money during the pandemic. So you can just get over yourself because you're worth $700 million, according to Yahoo Finance, in August of this year. So you can get off your high horse, shell out a little bit of money, because us fans rely on the Milwaukee Brewers, the Bucks if you're a fan, the Packers if you're a fan, to get through this by watching their team do good. That. That's what gets me through the year when American Family Insurance Field or whatever the hell it's called now, when I get to go there, that makes my week, my month, sometimes even my year to get to go there. And you can afford to shell out the money. You have $700 million. If that's not enough, let's look back now. So Mark Adonacio, the reason he got to be such a millionaire, he started crushing. Don't talk about me like I'm not here. <laughs> he started okay sir you started crescent crescent capital group which is an asset management company he's owned it since or he founded it in 1991 and it it has assets worth 28 billion dollars that is about to be sold it just got uh reported 1023 of 2020 and the closings happening later in 2020 and that is being sold for 276 million dollars up front plus that could go up to a total of 338 million so if the company reaches you know certain milestones whatever else is in the contract that could go up to that 338 million so you're telling me you can't afford a $2 million pay increase or $3 million pay increase for one of our best players? Are you kidding me? You have millions and millions and millions of dollars. Get over your fucking self, you one percenter. <laughs> Listen here. I didn't make those hundreds of millions of dollars by making poor financial decisions. And that's what this would be, would be a poor financial decision reallocate those assets and you know what else helps bring money to milwaukee what helps bring happiness to milwaukee winning Josh championships Hader. and we Josh need Hader more players to win championships not just josh Hader. he can't do it alone did you see our offense last year i did sometimes i wasn't looking the rest of the times <laughs> we need help we need to improve in other areas, and we need to move some of that money around to those other areas. I know you'd love me to throw all $700 million or whatever of my dollars at the team, but no owners doing that. Be real. Come on. I completely understand what you're talking about, and 
this money we're talking about is pennies to you, literal pennies. This is like football players getting fined for a helmet-to-helmet hit of $25,000. It doesn't matter to you when you have that much money. Just suck it up. Pay the extra whatever million to get Josh Hader his $7 million. He's He made $5.65 this year. And you're telling me $1.35 is too much for you to pay for one year? Because even if you look at this, like $7 million is still like a top 15 pitcher for average annual value. Like there, there's nothing spectacular about that. He's not a top pitcher in the league. He's not getting Kenley Jansen money of 16 million. And he's, he's better than Kenley Jansen. You could argue he's better than Ian Kennedy, Aroldis Chapman, Craig Krimble, definitely who's making 14.33 million. Just pay the guys that you have, pay the guys that are going to give you a chance because having a strength, what, what happened in 2018? What was the reason the Brewers got to the NLCS? That bullpen. Yes, the offense was better. I will give you that. But that bullpen was a legit strength, and Craig Council could just at any time throw out his bullpen, and that's what got us there. And Josh Hader was a big part of it then, and he's going to be a big part of it moving forward. Yes, but what lost us that NLCS? A member of that bullpen, because that's what can happen to relievers. Yeah. Do you know what else could happen to position players that are absolutely phenomenal? Some of the best hitters in the league, they can have that 191. You know, I just asked Christian Yelich. Touche. Sorry, I can't cure you out of all the money that I have surrounding me. <laughs> all right. Mark has got to go check his bank account, make sure his money's still there. <laughs> you have now heard the statements from David Stearns and Mark Anasio. The defense will now get to call a witness to the stand. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, I'm going to call some evidence to the stand, um, and I am going to call the facts, the actual facts to the stand. All right. Well, let the actual facts be sworn in. Do you swear they are nothing but the truth, the whole truth? Well, it's in their name, Tyler. I mean, <laughs> Just making Your sure. Honor. Triple checking. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's go through this. I have some stats from Baseball Savant of why Josh Hader needs to be on this team. Because he is a legit dominating pitcher in this league. Estimated batting average, according to Baseball Savant, 2018, 152, top 1%. 2019, 158, top 1%. 2020, 144, which a lot of people are saying was a little bit of a down year for Josh Hader, top 1%, and better than the last two years in that regard. Estimated slugging percentage. I'm not going to go into every single percentage, but it's top 2% in 2018, top 5%, 2019, top 5%, 2020. Weighted on base percentage is top 2%, 2018, 2019, top 1%, 2020, a little bit of a dip, top 10%. Estimated ERA, according to Baseball Servant, is top 2%, top 1%, and top 10%. Strikeout percentage, as you would expect, top 1%, top 1%, and then Devin Williams fucked him up for top 1%. He got top 2 in 2020. Just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. He's incredible. He's truly a dominating pitcher, and it's you you just pay the guys that dominate. That is... Aaron level dominant. 
Wow. Aaron Rodgers level dominance right there. You pay those types of players. He is a franchise. I don't care if he's a middle relief, a late guy, a starter. You pay guys that are that dominant in the league. Okay. Hey, no one was ever disputing the stats here. And that's, in fact, that's part of why you're able to sell high on this guy. But I was prepared for this. So I've got some stats as well that I'm going to throw at you. There is a pitcher who over the last two years has gone 0-5 with a 6.0 ERA, a 1.528 whip, six walks per nine, 11 home runs in 41 games. That's a home run every four games that he gives up. Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, I'm going to guess a guy that pitches for the Cubs. Mm, you would be guessing correctly. That is... 2017 AL Reliever of the Year, Craig Kimbrell. That was only three years ago that he won Reliever of the Year. And now look at him. Now, yes, there is an age difference between him and Hayter. Obviously, Hayter's earlier in his career. But that goes to show you how fast that can all go right downhill. And hey, I mean, at least it happened with the Cubs. I mean, we can all laugh about that. But... (laughs) It just goes to show you that's how unpredictable that that two years now for this guy. This wasn't a, hey, he just had a whoopsie year like Corbin Burns and then bounced right back from it. He's been bad for two seasons. So my counter to that, because I figured you would have something along those lines, is Josh Hader has been like there's some aspects where he's gone down a little bit, but barrel percentage he was bottom 2% in 2018, 2019, 2020. He's bottom 1%, which is actually very, very good. You want to be in the lower tier there because you want guys to not barrel you up. Um, exit velo, you know, in 2019, he was among the worst, 9%. He was in that the worst bottom nine. And then the top 8% of the league in 2020, he's getting better there. Hard hit percentage. 2019, he was terrible, bottom 9% again. And 2020, top 4%. So I don't, I know what you're saying. You know, you never really know when declines are coming. But to me, there is absolutely no showing from Josh Hader of that's going to be anywhere near what he does because he has been so dominant. And he's he's not just one reliever of the year once. He was one of back-to-back years. And if it wasn't for Devin Williams, he probably would have been another finalist this year. He might not have won it, but he would have probably been in contention for that. This guy, he he does. There's no signs of decreasing. The fact that you know they start figuring out how to hit home runs off of him, and that's what those barrel per, or the exit velocity, the hard hit percentage came from in 2019. And what does he do? He figures out a way how to not do it. Tyler mentioned it on this podcast last year. I've given him credit for it every time. You know, he's like, Josh Hader, throw your slider more. They can't hit it. And they know you're throwing the fastball because he threw it 82% of the time, almost 83% of the time in 2019. So what does he do in 2020? Throws it closer to 67% of the time and then adds in that slider at 32% of the time, which is actually a very, very good pitch. And now hitters are even more off balance with him. And that's going to, as long as he continues to kind of adjust what he's doing, he has the stuff that's going to for years and years to come. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, 
Uh, by the way, who the other 2017 reliever of the year was in the National League? Kenley Jansen, who Dodgers fans were begging to take out of the closer's role during the postseason, which I actually don't get why. Side note, because he had really good numbers, but I don't watch him all the time. But it's it's another quick decline by a reliever of the year. I really do not see that happening with Josh Hader. And the the thing that I, I understand where you're like wanting to get the most value out of it, but if there starts to be any evidence of a decline, this isn't a 10-year contract like we just gave to Christian Yelich. We're able to get out of this. And yeah, it might not be for as much, but if you get Hader for one more year and then the decline starts after 2021, but Hader helps you get to a World Series, potentially win a World Series, no one's going to care that he starts declining after that because all Milwaukee needs is a championship, and I think this guy can do it for them. Craig Kimbrell, no further questions, Your Honor. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we have heard the facts speak. With that, we will move to the defense's second witness or evidence. Who are you going to bring to the stand? I... I have a group of guys I'm going to bring to the stand here. Their names are Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, Dan Plesak, and Raleigh Fingers. Okay? First two, obviously, Trevor Hoffman was a brewer for a little bit at the end of his career. But the first two are what we're naming NL and AL Reliever of the Year after. They are absolutely legends of the game absolutely phenomenal pitchers, right? And then Dan Plesak and Raleigh Fingers, you know, some of the best relief pitchers out of the Milwaukee organization that we have seen up until this point. So I just want to go through some numbers with you guys. Mariano Rivera, ERA throughout his career, 2.21, ERA plus 205, FIP 2.76, a whip of exactly one, Ks per nine of 8.2, Trevor Hoffman, ERA 8 point, oh sorry, eight, 2.87, ERA plus of 141, FIP of 3.08, WHIP of 1.057, Ks per nine is 9.4. Dan Plesak, I'm doing Brewers only because that's his better numbers in his seven-year career with the Brewers. It was better than his career averages, so we're just going to go with his better numbers in a Brewers uniform. ERA of 3.21. ERA plus of 128, FIP of 3.3, WHIP of 1.232, Ks per nine is seven. Raleigh Fingers, ERA of 2.9, ERA plus of 120, FIP 2.96, WHIP 1.156, Ks per nine, 6.9. So let's compare that to Mr. Old Josh. ERA, 2.54, second only behind Mariano Rivera of this group. ERA plus 171, second only behind Mariano Rivera. FIP 2.84, again, second only behind Mariano Rivera. WHIP 0.858, that would be first. Ks per nine, a whopping 15.3, that is far and away number one. And I think if you're mentioning... Josh Hader in this group of pitchers, and he is near or at the top in all of those categories. When you're talking about some of the best relief pitchers ever to grace the mound in Milwaukee or just a mound in general, I would say you're in pretty elite company and paying him 1.35 million more this year is not going to be a big deal because that is 
absolute legend greatness right there. And Josh Hader is right there with every single one of those pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. We've had some great looking pitchers, particularly closers. Definitely. Let's bring up some more names here. Dan Kolb, Derek Turnbow, John Axford. That That one actually hurts me a little bit. Jim (laughs) Henderson. How long did any of those pitchers last? Or was it that they flamed out pretty quickly? I'm not predicting that's what's going to happen to Josh Hader. But that is just the unknown you get with some of these pitchers that look just like high-powered machines one moment, and then the next moment are a broken-down Cadillac on the side of Interstate 94. To me, that's every player in the MLB. It can flip like a switch to anyone outside of the superstar bona fide stars. Josh Hader's one of them. We saw it down here from Christian Yelich. He's going to bounce back. But any of those guys you're mentioning, I never thought Derek Turnbow was going to be, you know, Raleigh Fingers good. Like, Never, ever would I put him in the same class. John Axford, he had a season, you know, but they didn't put up the numbers like Josh Hader did on a more consistent basis. We did not we did not anticipate this um, from any of those players. You'd never, ever put his name, whether that be Turnbow, Axford, whoever else you mentioned, you're not going to put him in any list with these guys, even at their prime. You're, not, you're just not going to do that. And Josh Hader is a guy you can do that with. I forget what website put it out, but earlier this offseason, they put out a top five relievers for the Brewers. Josh Hader was three behind Plesak and Fingers. So he he has been that good, and he's not only been that good for a season, season and a half, whatever it happens to be. He's proven it through three years that he is a very, very good pitcher, and he is a superstar pitcher. And superstars aren't the same as Derek Turnbow's of the world. Both the prosecution and defense have now rested their cases. The attorneys will now present their final arguments. Please remember what the attorneys say is not evidence. However, do listen closely. They are intended to aid you in understanding the case. Prosecution, or Matt, you may begin first. Thank you, Your Honor. Members of the listening audience, today you have heard testimony about why Josh Hader should be traded. I would like to remind you of some important information that you should consider in your decision. The facts. We're good at trades. We get back value for our trades. Again, forget about Jonathan Scope. Relievers are notoriously short in their shelf life. We don't know when Josh Hader could just immediately start tailing down. And we are dealing from a position of strength. It absolutely makes sense from a logical perspective and a financial perspective. We know we're going to be hurting. I know Trevor doesn't like to hear it, but we're going to be hurting next year, possibly even farther down the road. You can throw all the stats you want about Josh Hader. That only solidifies my case that now is the time to trade him, not just financially. He's at peak value. We can get the most back for him that we are ever going to get. So please, Find that the defendant shall indeed be traded this offseason. Thank you. Defendant, you may now begin. Thank you, Your Honor. Members of the listening audience, today you have heard reasons why Josh Hader shall not be traded. I would like to remind you of some of the important information that you should consider in your decision. These facts include 
You know what Matt keeps telling you, you know, these stats are reasons why we should trade him. We're going to get maximum value. You know what? You know that the right thing to do is keep guys that are absolutely incredible, that are dominant. He's bringing up situations that these these players aren't dominant. They're or at least not Josh Hader level dominant. He is truly an anomaly. He is not the rule. He is, in fact, the exception that proves the rule. And he is incredible. And I don't care how much the Adonacio family is hurting because they have way more money than I will ever dream of having in my life so they can suck it up and pay less than $2 million to one of your best players, and that is Mr. Josh Hader. You say it's a position of strength. We don't know that. You you keep telling me, you know, you don't know what's ha- going to happen with Josh Hader. Now's the time because you he could fall down a cliff. You know who else could fall down a cliff? Everyone in that bullpen, but they're not to the level of Josh Hader. Devin Williams, no, how, no matter how fantastic he was, he's been here for 60 games, not even a full season. In the year before, he was terrible. And like I said, you never know what's going to happen with his progression. Could go could continue to go up and go on an exponential curve, and he's the best pitcher of all time, he could dive down and be Derek Turnbow. You, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen with our the rest of the development. You're, you're hoping Drew Rasmussen steps up. You're hoping Corey Knable comes back. You're hoping, you know, maybe Ray Black can find a strike zone every other pitch or something. You know, you're hoping Perdomo can come back and show something that he showed prior to the actual season this year you're hoping for all those things but that does that hope is nothing like what you know you are going to get from Josh Hader you guys know this he is an absolutely truly remarkable talent and he needs to be on this team and that is why Josh Hader shall not be traded this offseason thank you members of the listening audience you have now heard the testimony concerning this case it is up to you to determine the facts. You and you alone are the judges of the matter. Once you decide what facts the evidence proves, you must then apply this to the Twitter poll that will be posted by at Trilogy underscore pod at 5 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday, November 10th, and will run until Friday, November 13th. Oof, that's kind of scary. Please <laughs> go out and vote. <laughs> Ignore the Friday the 13th. We hope you enjoyed this unique way of looking at the Josh Hader trading or not trading scenario. Before we get out of here, do you guys have any closing remarks? Not closing statements, closing remarks, Trevor. (laughs) Yes, I do. So you had to be, or we had to call you your honor throughout this. So (laughs) as the judge, we kind of have to hear your ruling as well. I demand a recess. Oh, gosh. Um, well, if you wanted my opinion, oh gosh, as your judge, I am supposed to be completely neutral. And that is how I'm going to answer this question just to piss you off. (laughs) My answering to this is we had David Stearns talking about trade scenarios, but he failed to mention who would be traded. Could the Brewers get a stud third baseman? possibly from the Colorado Rockies in the Josh Hader deal. I don't know. Could they get some really stud prospect from the Dodgers who plays shortstop who can hit? I don't know. These are important facts to consider and none that anyone would reveal. 
On the other hand, you also have Josh Hader here, who, while he had a great season, and I appreciate that the fact that Devin Williams was better, he did have a few slight instances of regression in terms of velocity. So we will, we will point that out. But he did rebound later on. But he also altered his pitching repertoire. And the ability to change and adapt is something any MLB player needs, which also supports the evidence that he is here to stay and is very good. I won't go to Mariano Rivera level yet. Sorry, Trevor. I, but I'm not quite there yet, too. But he's on a trajectory, man. Yes. So as your judge, I see cases for both, and I'm going to leave it up to the audience. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You went on that long spiel to do that? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Make sure you vote on the Twitter poll.